It's This Week in Sleaze with your host, the great lord Joshua Regal and Sleazy K. This podcast has been rated Category 3. No one under 18 may be permitted. Ready for some quick fucking? Again? It wasn't long or painful last time, you hardly felt anything and neither did the people who listened to the show. Well, anyway, I'm Sleazy K, I'm back. No Joshua this week as he is, as I explained, trying to arrange his work and education schedule around recording these little silly shows. But I'm always here and out of the Laserdisc pile I picked some actual GASP. Good movies, yes, category 3 movies with violence, sex, men in prison, vampires, inappropriate comedy that actually ranks a little bit higher on the filmmaking scale when it's all done and said, all done and said, all said and done for heaven's sake. Perhaps this is too good for the tidy white theater, but hey, I've got nowhere else to go. So I have watched and I'm going to discuss and review The Romance of the Vampires from 1994, directed by Mr. Vampire's Ricky Lau. A movie I didn't like back then, but that worked way better now. And if that means my skills in reviewing movies has, like, declined or not, that's up to you to decide. And I also will talk about Hugo M's prison movie, Jail of No Return, from the same year, 1994. Hugo Abweiss is known as an actor from Daughter of Darkness, Brother of Darkness, etc. But this is his debut movie, so let's get to it after some brief contact information. This is This Week in Sleaze 36 on the Podcast on Fire Network. We are on podcastonfire.com. We have this show, other shows on Hong Kong, Japanese, Korean cinema, and what have you, and bonus episodes on that site. If you have any questions or feedback, uh, please send it to podcastonfire at googlemail.com. If these quick fucking shows is uh, any good or not, I'd love to hear from you uh, some constructive criticism. And we are also able to chat on Facebook, of course. Like our page, facebook.com forward slash network. And join the discussion group by typing in Podcast on Fire Network in the Facebook search bar. There you'll find the main discussion and show updates and what have you. Welcome in. And follow our tweets at at Podcast on Fire. The Twitter handle is that. My reviews over at SoGoodReviews.com and SleazyKVideo.com is my video review site. I review Hong Kong movies, Category 3, Taiwanese Godfrey Ho, Richard Harrison, exploitation, if you will, and various genres over on those sites. And my Twitter handle is at SoGoodReviews. This weekend's list is available on iTunes, and if you like the show, please leave a star rating, just a click away. But if you have the time, do do write a little bit or something. If you're an active iTunes user, do leave us a little review of uh, what you thought. We would love to hear from from you. So let's get some reviews up there on iTunes for this weekend's list. It'll only gain, uh, you know, eradicate what's wrong in this world if you review some This Week in Slee shows, trust me. But anyway, Stitcher Radio is your place for streaming the Podcast on Fire network. They have an online presence, but the smoothest way to stream us is through the application available on the Apple App Store and via Google Play. And finally, ShelfLifeClothing.com, Brian Kirby's t-shirt line. He's been very helpful 
in terms of uh, doing music for the show, and we always like to plug his t-shirts. We never get anything for free, though. We just like Brian. He's a good guy, sells quality products, and uh, go get some cool t-shirts. In the meantime, we'll take a musical break, uh, some extracted uh, extracted score from the romance of the vampires, and after that, I'll be back to review that very movie. So sit tight, and I'll be right back. Welcome back, and it's time to quickly review The Romance of the Vampires from 1994 and plot from my review of the film Rainbow, played by Yvonne Jung from A Chinese Torture Chamber Story and Crazy Love for You that we reviewed a show or two ago. She's a blind prostitute saving up money for her eye operation. The suave Fung, played by Ben Lam, comes to her rescue during, during an attempted rape, but can he suppress his lust towards her, his bloodlust, that is, ha ha ha. And uh, a quick opinion, as mentioned, I thought Ricky Lau's attempts at drama, making a drama, you know, a romance with vampires, uh, eroticism and some comedic elements, worked a lot better during this rewatch. Uh, the last watch, the first watch, was years ago. And it's certainly nothing more, though, than a fairly solid mixture of all of that. But I admire its technical competence, uh, and even its real in comedy and dedication towards what is ultimately quite a sad drama. And you would think, like, Ricky Lau directed it, is it like an adult, uh, you know, four adults, Mr. Vampire, with tits? No. Just because Ricky Lau is there, it doesn't mean that. But it's also done mid the category of re-explosion, but also post the Mr. Vampire era. You know, Lam Ching Ying has had essentially stopped making these movies. At least um, they weren't coming out in droves like they did during the uh, late 80s and beginning of the 90s. So Ricky Lau isn't relying on the same genre, content and expression uh, present throughout his most famed series, Mr. Vampire. But darkness is not unheard of in Lau's work, as he both crafted some decent chills in, for instance, the first Mr. Vampire. But he also, you know, it's... I, I admire it for providing chills, but it, man, is it a packed movie. He made a movie called Nocturnal Demon, which has uh, martial arts action, comedy, mahjong playing and banter, a serial killer peeing on his victims, and Moon Lee on roller skates. That's a great all time. Uh, a mixed bag, but certainly a good time, and it's called Nocturnal Demon, starring Moon Lee and Alfred Chung, and that was Ricky Lau, so he, he he got it in him. So Nocturnal Demon was, like, enjoyable because it started so heinously dark and the surprise wasn't that it cut to broad comedy, but that it was so heinously dark. Uh, so that's a Hong Kong movie, alright. And in Romance of the Vampire you got you know, transparent men, psychologically transparent men that at the very first sight of cleavage, like they will in a group 
trying to catch a glimpse of, in this case, Ben Lam's Fung's love interest and bloodhunter, it seems, the character of Moon, played by Mondi Yao. So that's the tradition, again, in Hong Kong movies, that men are very unsubtle. You know, they freeze at the side of cleavage and go gaga. So there you are. <laughs> men are very forward. But Moon, the Mondi Yao character, is forward too. You know, the, his mild attempt at a pickup works so there's a true true not love in the air but true sex in the air and they have quite a raunchy scene in an alleyway which is a beautifully shot piece of um scenery you know it is an alleyway probably a, re a real alleyway but they use smoke and blue lights and or filters to really sell this uh, sex scene and some enigma style music on the soundtrack and Mondial, she was in Pretty Woman she was the ugly girl of the office in Pretty Woman which was pretty unfair to be honest <laughs> she, it was easy to see that she was a gorgeous woman but here she is so well immersed in the actual eroticism here and speaking of Pretty Woman they actually reference the Julia Roberts Richard Gere movie while she's eating a strawberry and champagne, and drinking champagne, I believe. So that's, uh, it all comes around, I suppose. But uh, again, the Alice scene and the set is gorgeous, you know, the smooth smoke and the blue and the darkness. And it has, you know, violent, painful sex. It's not her, or rather, it's not him fucking her, but it's her fucking him. And then that's not necessarily, not necessarily at the climax, but then the bite. So that's a rather effective opening. And here's the Hong Kong cinema tradition. Cut to Susan Shaw or Xu Yam Yam and Kingdom Yun being part of a phone sex and escort service. Now comes the wacky and light side of the movie. And Kingdom Yun has three little setups, I suppose, or two scenes where, because she's one of the, uh, the girls of the escort service, and she takes uh, two men into the elevator and speaks in English. You know, I feel, you know, I'll make you come feel so comfortable. In less than a minute, she's destroyed the men in the elevator. You know, the elevator door opens, and that guy has lipstick all over himself, and hickeys probably, and a ripped shirt. And it's quite hilarious. And she does it twice, too. She hijacks the elevator and there's people on the bottom like, Come on! Like, I thought it was going down, but come on! And that that whole, like, phone sex escort service uh, floor also seemingly offers up an aerobics service. Or the actual people working there just need to stay in shape. But, but it looked like to me that, you know, men could pay to work out with these girls. But not naked. It's just... Um, be there possibly i would love for it to be like they offer up an aerobics service you pay to work out which is why you should go to a gym i suppose but hey who am i to judge it's strange though with the yvonne jung's character she is blind and we know after a while why despite that she uh yeah yeah she needs to make money that makes sense but she's such a sweet girl and they send her into these situations despite you know and it, okay Fair enough. The situation she is sent into uh, a rich client's house. It doesn't seem like it's going to turn out bad or anything because there are ground rules laid down by her driver, the character of Chung, which we will uh, get uh, to know. But the rich, in this case, they have you know perversions galore and... It's not the actual client who want to bed Yvonne Jung's character, but they keep 
a younger, there's three of them, they keep a younger guy in, in the bathroom, in the bathtub, like prisoner, and let him out to, uh, you know, he's allowed to fuck, finally. So uh, they go, <laughs> It's I guess that's their, their perversion. We kept this guy prison, you know, you know, prisoner, and now we're going to watch him fuck a girl. Yeah, that's good. What are you going to say about that? But it's, it's, it's an insight, I guess, into a minor reality of what goes on behind uh, closed doors. But give give Ricky Lau and his cinematographer credit. They, they're not shooting this this and other sex scenes in um, sort of a, an ill or bad way. I mean, there is steam here. There is erotica here. And lots of directors at this time who made these quickie Category 3 movies, especially these week-long shoots, if you will, the, the quick turnaround, they were just... It looked gritty, grimy, grungy, and not in a good way. It was just like point and shoot the rot again and release it with a category free rating that will probably make us some money. But here it's there's craftsmen behind this. So but Ricky Lau essentially <laughs> starts by destroying his main character emotionally and mentally, the Yvonne Jung character of Rainbow. So there you go. But cut to the vampires here, we meet Ben Lam, who's obviously asleep during the day. And apparently can't hunt for blood himself, and he leaves that to Moon, the Mondial character. There's a, to me, partially funny, like, um, dialogue about they haven't been in Hong Kong before. They've traveled to Hong Kong recently, so Mondial's character explained, This is Hong Kong. They eat first-grade food, but see third-grade movies, and their blood is sweet. And I, I'm hoping, like, third-grade movies is a, maybe I'm thinking too, about it too much, but... That just meant to me they're watching category three movies, third grade movies, but um, and they they can be considered third grade movies too because most of them are not good. So there you go. I may be thinking about this too much, but there you go. Ricky Lauer maintains a, a strong sense of uh, steam and eroticism, if you will, uh, especially when using Mondial. I, I think it's delightful to see her go from that role in Pretty Woman, which was admittedly a comedic role, yeah, but shows that she's. A fairly strong actress, but that she's also very uh, sexy on screen. And she, while Ben Lam is uh, having a shower, uh, she fantasizes uh, while watching him taking a shower about having sex with him in the clear coffin he sleeps in. So there is also an elegance to be erotica here. And it's no surprise because Ricky Lau was the cinematographer by trade too. Not on this film though, but uh, he was and shot uh, several known movies and... Uh, is pretty good at his job, so it's not surprising that some of these movies, even if even outside of this, you know, Mr. Vampire movies and what have you, had style and elegance uh, to them. Uh, not all, not all movies called for it, but uh, there's certainly a cinema- cinematographer's touch there. But he was never, in my mind, consumed by his photographic desires, if you will. And Kingdom Yun's uh, third scene, if you will, a third setup is. Uh, Wonderful. She dresses up as a schoolgirl, like a slightly innocent girl, as or a student, I suppose. Uh, and she is Kingdom Yun. She's not in the movie after this point, but she's so on comedically. Very beautiful woman, very sexy, and very appealing when she plays it broad, uh, when uh, the comedy is broad. And I think Ben Lam was her client in this scene. And at one point, he uh, touches her a little bit. Not, not gropes or anything, but uh, touches her. And she screams out ah how can you touch me she quickly gets handed money and then go okay that break into comedy because we go from steamy erotica some darkness into this it doesn't feel as jarring as other hong kong movies because it goes for a frequency that is not as i guess high and 
that is um, kind of interesting. It feels reeled in as a word I'll certainly be using throughout this discussion. It takes it time. It's time to set the plot into motion, though. Uh, we got repeated Mondial seductions of men, but on the other hand, it's not boring as such. Um, and w- during one of these seductions, there's a very funny twist on the vampire attack. She, she's uh, She's got him, another man, in the palm of her hand. And just as she uh, is about to attack him, he manages to start grabbing her boobs. And that stops her, and she goes into full moaning territory again. He lets go, she tries to bite, he grabs. And that is like a vampire, uh, you know, a tool against the vampire that you don't see in many movies, because... Many of these vampire movies, they're not adult movies as such. But uh, he eventually gets killed because a spider comes in and uh, ruins the day. Speaking of ruining the day, but eventually not, the character of Chung, played by Louis Yun, is uh, sort of... He uh, takes Yvonne Yun's rainbow to the various uh, places where she's going to meet the clients. You know, her driver, essentially. And he's quite kind. There's nothing wrong with that. And uh, But he is... A kind of threat towards the movie that we're gonna go some broad places with this character and we're gonna hate him throughout the movie. And his birthday rap that he holds at a bar that lasts for a good one or two minutes, way too long. It's really excruciating. He raps about women being like TV sets and he rattles off brands. And I don't know what his actual thesis is there, but it's quite horrible, quite excruciating this. It's not even rap, it's just talking. It's not even attempting to be, to be a rapper or, or a hip-hop artist, but there you go. But the turnaround for the character of Chung is that he's kind and he cares for Rainbow. He cares for her health prior to this uh, operation and... Uh, it's like the two men that care for her, the other man being Ben Lam, who drops into the picture firmly together with Rainbow when he takes care of Billy Chow and his gang. Billy Chow is the one who blinded Yvonne Jung. It's a, a former former lover. You know, Billy Chow plays uh, Spells Trouble, rather, and he wants compensation for himself. He, he's been suffering. That's his triad reasoning in a, in a way. Billy Chow is obviously born to play this asshole and uh, has a, a bit of a um, uh, fight scene with Ben Lam. And it makes sense that you have these guys on set, you might as well conjure up some action. Because Ben Lam, you know, as a character, he's a vampire, so he's in, invincible as a force you know an action force it makes sense to have ben lamb be that because of his stunt background but he's he's decently comfortable as a lead actor too and has a minor scrap here with billy chow before billy chow has done his thing he moved on to some other horrible role in a category three movie movie probably and and ben lamb by the way he has an elegance that suits the role too and he's, he's quite good good at it and i don't know if the similarity here as the plot develops uh, if the similarity is close to other vampire tales, because he uh, it probably is. I'm just maybe Dracula itself. Rainbow is a doppelganger, a doppelganger for a past lover of Fung's that died at some point. So that's why he's obsessed with her. But ba- back to Chung, you know, we, we we're still on the theme of the two men that care for a Rainbow. He will um, rob for her in a, in a very broad sequence that is actually quite funny. He robs like 10 people in one go but, and he disguises this Kentucky Fried Chicken bucket on his head with uh, holes for the eyes. Uh, you know, that's his grand disguise. 
and he's slowly coming around to as a as quite endearing. He, you know, he really becomes that, and he's reeled in uh, Louis Yun as directed, which is uh, quite uh, extraordinary to see here, uh, because the movie could just let him be and let it do, let him do his thing unhinged. Even the comedy during this robbery, it's quite subdued. Even if it feels and looks loud and broad, but it's a good reel in by Ricky Lau, and certainly that is something that Louis Yun responds to. It's not present in all of Lu- um, Chung's scene, Louis Yun's scene, but overall it kind of is, and it gets better as the movie goes on. And as the plot develops, there's no like good, good and evil fighting and duking it out here. It's romance of the vampires. He wants his his love back again, even if it's not her, because she is dead. She just she just looks like his past lover. And I know I'm flip-flopping between the men here, but uh, that's Fong's like, reasoning for doing all of this. That's where the plot is going. And even Chung, is, uh, he, he feels protective of her, and he, he is kind of in love with her as well. So he's desperate to bed Rainbow, and he orders her. And in order to disguise himself, he uses a voice box. So he talks like this. There's more feelings than that, than just being kind and helpful. But their drama... Yvonne Jung and Louis Jung with her accepting him as a brother and him being kind of heartbreaking. It's not super affecting as such, but it's a very admirable try here. And admittedly, I did smile when they hugged after this scene, this scene and said, like, we'll forget about this and we know where we have each other here. So there's decent emotion here and there's, here and there's decent emotions when it comes to the latter tragedy in the movie, the personal tragedy, the melodrama. And it feels rather sincere and even suspenseful uh, because at one point there is an attack on Rainbow that Fung stops and uh, that beat is uh, rather suspenseful actually the beats continue to be, uh, the story beats continue to be conveyed rather well you know, Ben Lam's Fung essentially aims to end his life at one point and to end this long cycle by walking into the sunlight and the actual sacrifice that he does which I won't spoil is quite affecting. So there's not a battle of the vampires, it's the romance of the vampires, and it's surprisingly gloomy and sad, and uh, it works well for that, actually. There's nothing wrong with that. It's competent. And it manages to be that and inject comedy to quite a, a balanced degree, I suppose, because during the, like, when there's ten minutes left of the movie, they're they're in the vampire house, uh, Rainbow and Chung, and uh, Chung thought to himself, I might as well protect myself with a cross and garlic against Moon. The Mondial character, just in case, and I, I love that when he has that little banter with uh, Moon, like he says essentially, "Okay, I did this, but ju- just take me as not, you know, just accept me as crazy, but I gotta have this." So there you go, well placed humor, and it could be seen as cheap to make this sort of serious tale with nudity, but hey, why not? If you back it up with some skill, that's not exploitation transparency, and the sex continues to give off a sensual, warm, loving touch, and. That, that I give props for, um, and uh, Ricky Lau sort of finds a home here, making a category-free movie. It's quite a distressing ending, I won't spoil it, when um, the vampire awakens unwillingly during uh, the sex scene with the rainbow between Ben Lam and Yvonne Jung, but she's still willing to be taken by him at that point. Again, the movie has plenty of stuff left to develop after that, I should say. By the whole end, again, non-spoiler, Ricky Lau even uses some symbolic gestures and philosophical touches to an extent after um, a very tragic sacrificial ending, I suppose. Which might spoil it a little bit, but hey, it's uh, worth mentioning that it has some chops here that makes it um, solid and a little bit above average. So, 
check it out if you can find it and ask for availability. This was an Ocean Shores title. It was uh, distributed on Laserdisc and later DVD. I have the Laserdisc. None of which are in print now, but seeing as Ocean Shores put it out on DVD, there's a chance to possibly get a decently priced copy and uh, I hope you can. The print uh, used looked fairly good. It's cropped to full screen but despite doing that to a somewhat stylish movie it doesn't crop out those intentions noticeably so it looks it looks pretty good. So that's Romance of the Vampires. Quick fucking is on so we'll take a quick break. Now I'll be back to quickly review The Jail of No Return as well. So, t- so sit tight. Welcome back, and the final review of this quick fucking session is The Jail of No Return from 1994, a plot from my review of the film. The titular jail is on a remote island where prisoners are apparently sent, and there's only one way to get out, and that is by the time they reach the age of 60. It's run by a sadistic and generally disturbed westerner, which is played by a viciously overacting Richard Gross, who launches a ton of F-bombs at us throughout the movie. And the prisoners will need to stand together through the worst of times and the best of times, knowing little of what the future holds for them. And the quick opinion, if you will, it's quite encouraging to see actor Hugo mm, take this directorial debut into exploitation territory, but treat it seriously. And despite the sparse locations utilized here, there's no shortage of nastiness on display as the muddy surroundings and the penalties inflicted upon prisoners equal that of the graphical. And but but rather within this loosely plotted movie that basically has doomed characters anyway, Hugo displays a quiethood, um, a subtlety when he deals with the daily island life work, the warm interaction, and the rare light side to overall camaraderie is very present and appealing. I believe this is the second Category 3 movie from this time, other being Billy Tang's Red to Kill, that I can think of that was Sync Sound. And it wasn't common in regular movies as such either in 1994, but debut director Hugo Ng clearly insisted on it as even his uh, second movie as director, his eighth drama Fatal Encounter was Sync Sound. Having said that, neither of those two movies, uh, Jail of No Return and Fatal Encounter, are like cheap sex rape romps or anything, but rather slightly other genres, even serious dramas, and in this case, sort of a men-in-prison movie. And it, the desire was to do some do actual movies rather than to desperately be part of the category-free game of the time, so that that's good. It's hard to initially to grasp... Uh, the the setup um, because I believe and I have a gut feeling that the text that appears just before the title card is it's unsubtitled and it probably sets up a little bit what's going on here with this prison island uh, you know why this island camp is it you know approved by the government is it off the off the radar they don't know of it and uh, what kind of crimes warrants people to be sent to this island you know. But it's less prison and more like a labor camp with uh, physical punishment always close by. And God set it up uh, as 
as they are there till their 60s so they, they must be heavy duty crimes committed here but again Richard Gross's uh, performance uh, big big sweary western uh, western god here his performance is um, is big and it's also sing sound obviously uh, the delivery is kind of flat it's always loud he sounds like a wrestler you know like, like a Hulk Hogan or what have you I know shit all about wrestling but it's it's very like pick it up you know fuck you good approximation of uh, how wrestling <laughs> how wrestling banter went i don't know but uh, there you go the delivery is very broad obviously but it's not truly incompetent what richard brings here he calls for big acting a lot of profanity a lot of f-bombs but at least we get to hear it you know all the performers are sync sound the movie's actual qualities are displayed via the use of sync sound and it gets pretty heavy quickly and sadistic quickly with the shooting of the character of Fat Dog. Everyone is called Dog in this movie, a variation of Dog in this movie. And the warden demands silence, you know, he's, uh, he's shot uh, in the foot and uh, in the knee, I believe. So he's screaming his, uh, screaming his heart out. The warden demands silence, so all prisoners are forced to silence him by beating him up and, make, beating him up and making sure he uh, passes out. And in passing, prisoners have to translate the warden's orders, orders from English to Chinese. So even more panic is there to get it done in the few seconds that uh, the warden states that they have to get it done with that's a nice little detail there, um, for uh, for the whole sync sound experience, because if it was dubbed, Richard would have been dubbed in Cantonese. I would very much uh, bet. The, uh, the there's no sets here. I think they shot it all on the island, even the indoor location. So there, there's like a method environment here, if you will. It's very muddy and the showers on the beach. Uh, they're supposed to be cold, and it looks cold for real, if you will. Hugo shows some cinematic flair here. There's some lovely tracking shots of life inside. You know, everybody, they they don't have separate rooms or anything. So you see that, um, you see the life inside. People are taking shits, playing with themselves. And you can forget about privacy. And uh, as I said, everyone's a dog, and they call themselves that even internally, the characters. You know, black dog, tiger dog, wrinkled dog, old dog. It's a humiliating name of course but they stick to it internally and they laugh over it they're real as well together internally and hugo really captures our interest through natural live dialogue back and forth and uh, so the the barracks are open they're not like trapped in there locked in there but they can't flee from the island apparently one of the performers that we get to hear in sing sound that i've never heard is the wonderful actor carol wong and uh, this was often a vicious bastard on screen. Uh, you've seen him in The Duel, Underground Banker, The Rapist Beckons. Doesn't look like the most vicious bastard on screen, but he can turn it on like you read about and make an impact. Uh, but here, here plays, uh, he might have committed a heinous crime to warrant his stay on this island, but he is rather warm, a rather warm character. He shows some actual, uh, actual care. He takes care of, um, the crippled uh, fat dog, you know, when they're supposed to assemble in the morning, everybody needs to be there. No one gets uh, left behind, but fat dog can only crawl to the morning assembly. So Carol Wong's character extends the time by saying that I forgot my mug, sir. So he runs into the into the barracks to get his mug, and uh, no punishment is inflicted on fat dog. So he stands up for the bullet, which is nice to see. Uh, nice to see Carol Wong do for once. So he, he, he got a, a lead role and a different lead role, which he responds to rather well. There is a challenge here, obviously, to make a movie on this one location, essentially. We got the same costumes from scenes to scene, same environment, but Hugo creates interest despite, and it's not, it's, it's no dramatic depth as such here, or great dramatic depth, but 
you know, you got this new batch meeting the old batch coming into the island, and clearly a rebellion against tyrants is where we will go cinematically. It just makes sense that that's, despite being loosely plotted, that's where we're heading. And they even sent mentally challenged people there, so there's a plethora of uh, different characters here, some kind, some not kind. And Richard, uh, Richard Gross's character, you can guess this, that he has some... Uh, scars in him if you will we, we get oral flashbacks to what is clearly a stormy marriage and a lot of anger and uh, it happens during a scene where he's ordered a prostitute to the island who d- doesn't make much uh, sound or noise or moans when uh, having sex with him and so he steps away from her brings in a prisoner and commands the prisoner to fuck the prostitute that he ordered and he breaks down in front of them you know he starts crying so Richard comes with some chops, even if the performance is never in the middle. It's always loud in in some kind, but it's it works. You remember him, remember him from the movie, and he's clearly not a random Westerner from uh, from a hostel or anything. They, I think they brought in someone with so, some kind of acting chops here. One of the most delightful uh, aspects of the movie is um, Hugo working with. Uh, Veteran actor Ku Feng, you know, your great old Shaw Brothers veteran who played tons of villains on screen, but it's obviously a great character actor that has continued to work, and I think he's working to the, to this day. I don't I don't think he's passed yet, but he's quite old by this point. But uh, it's wonderful to see uh, Ku Feng, it's wonderful to see him bring nuances to the table, and uh, Hugo Umbli being very inspired to, work in, to be working with Ku Feng, and Ku Feng responding to that respect as well. And the drama about him having 10 days left of his sentence and that changing is uh, due to them stealing a chicken, uh, which they're, they're not allowed to do. They're, um, they're prohibited to eat at that point, so uh, his sentence changes to a life sentence. And he breaks down, obviously, and his choices verges, Kufeng, on melodrama. But in the hands of such a veteran... It stays within the just the right emotional range. And uh, several scenes around this section of the movie, we just see the camera run, you know, and stay on Ku Feng and just let him act. It's very respectful and very effective. And uh, he's uh, definitely the strongest performer in the movie. And uh, really, if it all was fair, uh, because I'm, I'm 99% this wasn't nominated, he should have been nominated for a best supporting uh, Hong Kong Film Award, in my opinion. The movie gets a little stuck in daily chores. They break rules, they get punished. There's some good times, but because that, that happens kind of repeatedly a little bit. But it rarely gets slow, though, because the interaction between the actors and the characters is pretty strong. Uh, but Hugo throws in timely twists in the narrative because a former prisoner does, was a bit of a snitch. He returns to the island as a guard and now can do whatever he wants to the prisoners. And subsequently there's some nasty hammer violence against fingers and fingers stuck in a cupboard. And it proves a scene like that that blood and guts is not needed for shock here. It's about props and effect and performance. And same applies to a, um, a scene where... A character gets a blade to the shoulder. Qu- quite a shocking off-screen. We just hear, Foom! and we see a blade in someone's shoulder that then dies. It's uh, no blood, but really gut-wrenching. What, one of the most graphic scenes, though, and uh, possibly the scene that was cut from the UK VHS of the movie, there's some forced 
defecating here. <laughs> you know, the warden uh, demands that everyone should defecate at once. You know, within 20 seconds or 5 seconds. And it looks like to me that while the camera, like, pans across the various, like, pre-laid poop, that someone actually does shit on camera. Not on the camera, but on camera. Because I, I don't think they shoved something in there and then that came out of his asshole. So... There you go. If you want to see someone take a crap on camera, it's there at least in the uncut version. Again, I don't have it on the 40 that that was cut. I just have a feeling that it was because it's pretty damn disgusting, actually. So it's part of, you know, the out-of-control sadism and punishment that increases throughout the movie. And the logical breaking point happens when we're about 20 minutes um, still left of the movie and... Uh, they are effective pushes by Hugo, uh, the increased humiliation. Even the ra- scene in the rain where they're, they're awakened in the middle of the night and have to carry big rocks and you see thunderstorms and what have you. It doesn't sound like it's much of a humiliating scene, but it is effective and very atmospheric and it leads to a big attack eventually. The, the prisoners mount an attack on on the guards and the warden. And you wonder why they didn't attack before, because they seem to outnumber them at all times but maybe they didn't have access to weapons and maybe they weren't a tight group before but now they certainly are and there's no like prolonged fight back or any like i'm gonna have a speech before i kill you now you don't know just primal violence and primal pickaxes to chest kind of violence and uh it ends rather satisfactory i guess that's it i recommend it if you can find a jail of no return it has some dramatic chops some nasty some nastiness in there but meant to be a film rather than a desperate category three movie to, that wanted to be part of the other boys playing during this category three explosion so check it out it had a uk vhs that is cut about 33 seconds i read and also it was put out on laserdisc in hong kong it's what i own own the fitto mobile laser uh company uh, did put it out and it's a good looking laser disc and widescreen and the subtitled and uh, if you can find it go get it i don't think you can, i don't think you'll find that at a huge price nowadays because it's not like a treasured holy grail that everyone is after or anything so check it out next time when me and joshua get together we have announced as i've said before we are looking at otto chan's gates of hell and diary of a serial killer and those plans are still in place but even if you get some quick fucking next time, me and Joshua will return to share this nasty, smelly place we call the Tidy Whitey Theater. And while he's gone, I'm clearly keeping the place warm and smelly so it stays fresh all the time. Mm. <laughs> so uh, that's uh, that's a quick episode for you. Some uh, quick contact information again. This has been This Week is Lee's on the Podcast on Fire Network. We are on podcastonfire.com. Our email, podcastonfire at googlemail.com. Our presences on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash PUF network. Reach our discussion group by typing in Podcast on Fire Network in the Facebook search bar. And our Twitter handle is at Podcast on Fire. I review Hong Kong movies, Taiwanese movies, and Godfrey Ho movies at SoGoodReviews.com. And I video review at SleazyKVideo.com. And my Twitter handle is at so good reviews rate and subscribe to us on itunes and leave a written comment if you have the time we would very much be pleased to hear from you and stream us on stitcher radio if you don't have the space on your devices to download podcasts Uh, they have an online presence but also applications available on the apple app store and google play and finally shelflifeclothing.com brian kirby's t-shirt line check it out so the quick fucking is done 
Hope you enjoyed its quick and painless nature. But uh, in all seriousness, uh, seriousness, thank you for listening and see you next time.